0: Welcome to Ascend Sessions and in this episode we'll be discussing the role, impact and importance of emotional intelligence, especially within the workplace. For this episode I'm super excited to be joined by Sarah Needham, founder and leadership coach of Unique You Coaching. Sarah's personal journey ignited her passion and understanding of the impact that she could have within this world and this is where Unique You Coaching was founded Sarah will be sharing her own journey to uncover the role and impact of emotional IQ while providing practical insight we can all learn from as an employee but also as a leader. So I guess just before we get started, how are you Sarah? I'm doing well thank you, how are you? I'm good thank you. Um, I'm super excited obviously to have you join us um, and obviously go over firstly your experiences and understanding that led you to I guess, identify the importance of emotional intelligence, because historically, it's something that's not always thought about in business. Um, So I guess before we get into all of that, it would be great if you could share with myself and the listeners sort of your personal journey um, onto how you discovered this and obviously came to founding Unique You Coaching.
1: So yes, I, well, obviously, it's always a question of where you start. Um, everything that's happened in my life up until now is obviously playing out in who I am today. And there have been certain major changes in my life, which have been the things or the triggers actually that have forced me to reflect and get clear as to what's important to me. So I have been in industry, I was uh, an engineer, um, that's what my degree's in. And Mm. I worked for Rolls-Royce for about 17 years in the end. And it was one of those things where uh, I I did really well. I grew up really quickly within the industry, went through into my first sort of team leader and service manager position. And I'd always seen actually being female as one of those things that had been a bit of a benefit because I'd been seen within industry. it was one of those things where you walked into a room, a uh, room full of men and there were discussions and, you know, people walked out there and, and knew my name, even if they uh, didn't necessarily n- know everything about me, there was that mm. impact that you create. So I had a, I had a very successful career. I, I did very well for myself. I was very pleased with how I did. I um, How I progressed within the company, which was a bit of a surprise to me. And, I think one of those things is I didn't actually recognize the power of emotional intelligence in the workplace, the power that I actually brought my strengths um, within a very sort of tech orientated uh, role. Um, We then had problems having children and adopted our children. And it was then that things began to change. I began to recognize that I, I didn't necessarily feel like I fit. Um, mm. I took on the roles, and I was always given opportunities. So I always sort of took the open doors as they emerged. And this continued through my whole career at Rolls-Royce, and until really one day where I woke up one morning and couldn't really get out of bed. I had fever, and the fever or the virus lasted for about uh, about four months. And this was effectively driven by burnout. I had two young adopted children who I didn't adopt to give off to a nanny. So I was doing my best to be a a good mother and wanting to still have a career, wanting to still do well at work, wanting to always do my best at work. And I had a mother in the UK with dementia. And actually, whilst I was off sick with burnout, my mother passed away from dementia. And this was really that crunch point where it made me look very clearly as to what I was doing, what role model I was setting for my children through what I was doing. And also, really, what were the values? What was important to me? And I realized quite clearly at that time I needed to make a change. I didn't know what I want to do, and in fact, I didn't leave Rolls-Royce with the intention of setting up a coaching business. That was part of the journey that came thereafter, the part of me discovering who I was. So, yeah, and now it's I, I use all of the what I've learned through my uh, career, through my life lessons, through everything I've been through, and um, to support others in creating for themselves what I've found in this, understanding what my passions are, actually asking, getting clear as to what's important to me, and then taking conscious decisions each and every day to move myself or nudge myself, you want to talk in terms of systems, um, into actually what it is I want, what it is I want to, what impact do I want to have in this world? So yes, in a nutshell, <laughs> That's kind of the journey that I've been on through my career, which has has got me to this point today. So, I founded uh, my business at the beginning of last year and uh, worked with Climate Kick uh, as their product tech coach uh, at their accelerator program in Berlin. Um, So, I mainly work with tech leaders and founders in helping them unleash their impact to create a more sustainable world. Whilst at the same yeah. time prioritizing their own self-care. Because this is quite a lot of what we see is people are so people the people are driven to make impact and they along the way it's the pressure mounts, responsibility mounts, and they forget that if they don't look after themselves, you know, they're not going to have a business in six to twelve months because they are their business. They are their ideas. Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, So much to take from that. But firstly, um, just thank you, Sarah, obviously, for being so honest and forthcoming, obviously, about your experiences and sort of highlighting the, you could say, the pinpoints in your journey or sort of as you've highlighted the sort of triggers that sort of made you look... um, internally and sort of trying to figure out exactly like what do I want in this world? Um one thing that I would just like to ask you um before we like move on to the emotional intelligence aspect of what you've highlighted is um you know when you were working um I guess in the corporate world and so forth and you highlighted that you didn't, you know, recognize the power of emotional inte- intelligence is is this coming from you know the fact that it's emotional intelligence isn't a it isn't like a common feature or a common, not feature, but a common skill, you could say within corporate worlds or big organizations? Or is it something that you just, you know, when you're working, and you know, you're just trying to get through all of the tasks and responsibilities, as you said, is it just something that you, you weren't like aware to it you know there wasn't someone around you who had high emotional intelligence for example or was it just you know the culture of the corporate world so
1: my belief is that overall as society not just in the tech industry but overall in society that we've got kind of all the technology we need to solve the problems of today sustainability and other things And if we could really create the environment for everybody to feel comfortable to stand up and share what they're thinking and what they're feeling, be proud of who they are, live into their strengths, say clearly what their values are and understand what their life story brings to them. Mm. And then open themselves up to listen and to be challenged on their own perspectives. That's where the, the creativity and the innovation and the nudging of society is going to get to if we can really create that so do i think it's there today in corporate culture no because i don't think we've got it there in society as a whole and i think we've got so far to go in terms of creating that space to co-create the solutions for tomorrow and bring people of all nationalities. I mean, we talk cognitive diversity. We're talking cognitive diversity on a global scale that if we can create that space um, in industry, in day-to-day life, in communities, where people Mm. can actually get more involved and have more meaningful discussions, then we have the ability around us to be able to solve what's going on in the world.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, I have so many questions about this, um, creating the space to um, co-create obviously this culture and this safety that obviously we can share our thoughts, our wants and sort of our development goals as well. But um, one thing that I would just like to ask you, I guess, before we get into the nitty gritty of it is, um, I guess, for our listeners, um, what, what is emotional intelligence? Like as, as a top level, how would you describe it um regardless of, let's say, your position within the workplace? You know, what would an emotional intelligent encounter look like, for example, just so we, myself and the listeners, obviously have a clear understanding and context of what we're about to dig into um further in this podcast.
1: Okay, so for emotional intelligence for me is listening to all of your senses we all use our ears um, in terms of listening to what's going on around us we generally are trained to to obviously pick up on certain signs of what somebody else is thinking by what we see but we've got other senses as well and emotional intelligence is actually taking all of the senses that you have um, and and finding a way to make that part of Uh, the solution, the conversation, whatever it is. So for example, one of the things that I sometimes felt in meetings, I'd feel uncomfortable. I'd feel that something was in the room, but I couldn't always necessarily put my finger on what it was that was in the room. And I thought, well, everybody's feeling this. so, So, you know, why should I be the one to bring it up? Now, sometimes I did, but often I didn't and if we can teach or we can get people who do have this emotional intention, who do recognize these signs who do feel the energy changing in a room to just open up and state what they're feeling
0: mm-hmm. so
1: openly without judgment you know i can feel frustration here can someone try and explain what's going on then you open up a whole new energy level and one mm-hmm. of the, one of the the points with people with usually high emotional intelligence, they've also generally links to harmony, it generally links to including people. And the fear of saying something like this is you head into conflict. You know, if you state what's there, you potentially land yourself in a place where you make someone else uncomfortable or, you know, you make a situation worse in inverted commas. And actually, What I found, what what I've been kind of working with is actually, if you can state it, as I said, openly and without judgment, this is what I'm seeing. This is what I am feeling. You talk for yourself and be unattached as to whether actually the sensing is right or wrong. You've sensed something. Then you can get into a more meaningful discussion. Then the energy in the room will change
0: nice and that's i mean i was my next question i mean you've already started answering it sarah because um when you were obviously giving that example of the the meeting you know being open and just saying it out loud that you know i sense frustration or i sense um disappointment or anger whatever the situation is obviously that is one practical approach that our listeners as you know professionals in the working world can um adopt and do but obviously that is only one approach to obviously raise the emotional intelligence within that group or meeting um so I guess just taking one step backwards but sort of still the same question is how as an as let's say me as Jordan Graham um how can I elevate my emotional intelligence and I guess the pre-question to that is how do I even like understand and identify the level of my intelligence because you know there's there's obviously quizzes and you know links and all of this stuff that you can do out there but it's how do you you know understand that inside and get that you know comfortability of knowing this is where I'm at when I'm reacting to certain situations and sort of being able to pause the reaction to understand the best approach to it for example
1: well, I think uh, you've, you've hit the nail on the head, and um, it's exactly that. T- pausing. Um, so for me, emotional intelligence starts with you as the individual. So for me, it's, it's me. What am I feeling? What am I hearing? And starting to listen not only to others, but actually starts with yourself. You know, learning to tune in to something, and when you feel uncomfortable. Just sitting with it and trying to understand what might have triggered the feeling that you've got. And, like you say, trying to understand okay, so is this disappointment? Is this frustration? Am I reacting to something else, someone else's? So, am I actually mirroring back what somebody else is actually feeling? So, the first thing is to listen internally and understand how your Sensing what's important to you. So if you can understand for yourself, as I said earlier, what your personal values are, you, what's important to me. How do I choose to spend my time? We each make so many, over thirty thousand decisions each and every day. So mm. How do I make those decisions? What what are the kind of the roots that I'm making those decisions on? And if you can get clear on what's driving you, what's important to you then making those decisions gets easier. And it's also, you reflect on yourself. So where are those values appearing in my day-to-day life? Where am I honoring them? Maybe where I'm dishonoring them is where I'm beginning to feel uncomfortable. And then you can see that if your dishonoring, feels uncomfortable to you. When somebody else dishonors that value, it feels uncomfortable. But also yeah. things like looking at your strengths. what am i what am i good at because this is again part of getting to know yourself one of my strengths is actually harmony inclusion so when somebody is not someone's not speaking very nicely to somebody else um you know that they're effectively um not being respectful to somebody i get triggered i feel uncomfortable uh And these are things where if we can recognize what it is that's actually treating us you can actually stand up and say something, you know, when you say somebody else that's not being treated as you respectfully, as you might like them to be treated, then you can Mm. say that, you know, I, I, I feel that this person's not being treated respectfully. It's not an accusation. It's a statement of how you're feeling. And it's very Mm. important to own the I, not use we the whole time and try and dilute by hiding behind, you know, the pretense of them talking on behalf of the company. Yeah. Yes, you can do that in terms of customers and externals, but actually on the internal, when you're talking about what's going on internally within the company and what's important to you, always talk from I. And again, strengthens this perspective of what, you know, what's important to me internally and also recognize your life story you know i've touched on there um, about having problems with fertility so i know i get triggered when somebody goes and asks somebody else you know are you, you think you're having kids at any point soon and that's a trigger for me because i think you know i've been that, i've been that one in that uncomfortable situation where people start making assumptions that i don't you know i'm putting my career before having children And that was completely wrong, you know, at the time I was going through multiple miscarriages and yet nobody knew. The impact of the words and what's important to you is so important as the first step of understanding what your emotional intelligence is. And then the Mm -hmm. second step is taking small steps forward from there, taking small steps, like I said, to try and name it, even if it's within a safe situation within your family to start with, just kind of getting the confidence to say, you know, this is what I'm feeling here. I'm sensing something's not right. And just watch what happens. Watch how the energy changes. And certainly in a room where there's, you're beginning to feel like, okay, this is potentially going in the wrong direction. People are getting cross here. That's a perfect example to try this out. To try it and say, you know, I sense that there's a lot of emotion flying around here. You know, mm-hmm. what what's going on? It's yeah completely counter to the way we do business on a day-to-day basis, which is action-driven, moving forward, mm-hmm. you know, meeting deadlines. And it's got a place in the fact we can be more effective if we can talk openly about this stuff if we can state what's in the room i mean you hear some companies who now start their kind of daily meetings with like a check-in especially the online meetings since corona yeah and it's not just a hi how are you the questions around so where are you today what are you feeling
0: Mm. and i think within this period as well it's um it's essential for all professionals in the working world and especially leaders to you know put them in that position and space of actually checking in and not the not the standard you know hope all is well but actually you know going back to the first point when I asked the question um, that you mentioned of sort of actually listening um, and understanding what is sort of being said whether that's internally or externally Um, I really really appreciate and I think you've like explained a golden nugget when you were talking about owning the eye um, and sort of taking you know that ownership of what you're feeling and what you're understanding of the situation and not as you said sort of falling back on the we um, but one thing that I would like to ask you hopefully I can get it out correctly um, is you know when you are highlighting your feelings or you know how you're understanding a certain situation you know if it is not if it is not focused on the people side but more on like the technology or the business or the you know the product for example you know there's always that understanding and image that you know feelings and emotions you know shouldn't be in the workplace so you know when it's completely outside of like a people aspect, so you know that example of I feel there's frustration in this room. If we take, let's say, they're completely speaking about, let's say, a launch date for a product, and obviously, as we know, launches are always stressful. You know how? What is your understanding of sharing? You know your feelings and emotions in like, I guess, this cutthroat business, you know, decision-making um, moments. I hope my question makes sense.
1: <laughs> yes, of course. Um, so I I think of it a bit like, um, obviously I come from aerospace, so it's planes in the sky. When we were signing yeah. something off, we wanted to be 100% sure that, you know, more as sure as you can be, as low as reasonably possible is the industry term, that something's going to yeah. happen. And the way you get that level of confidence is by ensuring that everybody's going to speak their mind. Everybody's got something. If somebody has got something that they feel uncomfortable about, then it should be discussed. It should be put out there. Maybe not in a huge forum where you've got, you know, 20, 30 people, but that that, that discussion needs to be had because our instinct's there for a reason. And I'll play this out in terms of some of the sort of, the green techs and the startups and sustainability is you know is this the right thing to do that's not a data-driven question it's a question around almost integrity it's a question around um what is what are we actually trying to achieve here who are we trying to help So, is this the right thing to do and it's a very simple, again, non-judgmental question, which might bring out the next level. So if you're feeling uncomfortable in that meeting, there's almost definitely somebody else somewhere in the room who's also feeling it. But might not have the courage to say anything. And just by asking a couple of open questions such as that, even when there's a tight timescale, might help you break it open. There might be something that appears that you didn't see and again going back to cognitive diversity is why cognitive diversity is so important it's not about sex it's not about race it's not you know about sexual orientation it's about getting people together who can work off each other and challenge each other in a way that that produces innovation and creativity the way that we can create something. We're not going to be able to solve the problems of tomorrow by just making teeny, tiny changes. We need to start nudging so that we're actually making big changes. And that stuff comes when you can get this, the, the people in the room to have the discussion who are, you know, they're, they're driven to have the discussion, but they've also got an, a, you know, a reason why it's important to them, a reason why they want to be there.
0: Yeah, and I think just um, coming off of what you've said and sort of the fact that you can't, you know, obviously there are always small steps um, that are working towards, you know, the bigger picture. But as you said, like when it's coming towards, you know, creating the space where you can share something that you're uncomfortable with or you can, you know, share your thoughts when you see an issue or a potential um, problem or even solution, you know, it doesn't always have to be bad things, um, just having that sort of environment to obviously do that. So I think just, if you don't mind, Sarah, just sort of flipping the conversation, I guess now to the leaders, you know, the ones that are in those positions to make the big changes, because obviously as professionals and employees within the um, within the organisation and wider industry, obviously um, Sarah's highlighted a few things that you can take and do to obviously raise your own... Um, emotional intelligence from listening internally to understanding your strengths owning the eye and obviously recognizing your life story and your positioning um, like towards how you um react um to certain things so just as I said turning it back to leaders how oh this might be a big question um how do you raise this discussion of emotional intelligence with leaders and you know highlight the the importance of it but also the business benefits to it because you know in the corporate world it's seen or portrayed as very cutthroat you know no feelings involved this is the way we do business this is the only way to be successful in business but obviously now we know that's not true um so you know how how do you get co- the corporate leaders or even other leaders sort of understanding? the importance and impact of emotional intelligence as a leader but also for your team as well
1: so for leaders i always ask the question as to how they listen to their employees so we've touched on this but learning to listen and learning to understand yourself is the core whether you're a leader whether you're an employee it doesn't matter you need to understand yourself before you can start understanding others. And as I see leadership, as leaders we're there to create the space for our teams, to do what we're hiring them to do. We go out and search for good people, the best. We hire them because they've got skills. And then quite often they're told how to do their jobs. They're told what it is they should be doing. And actually, we, we need to be, as leaders, we need to be empowering our teams. We need to serve them. We need to stand there and listen and help them grow. If they can grow as a team, then that's where the magic happens. That's where the, the team We'll start to really function as a team there are so many teams out there that are called team and every in name but actually are not functioning as a team mm. they're not being given the the space to to work together to create together to fail together it's all part of being a team mm. and the question i have is what's the cost not only to you, but also to your team and your business by not listening, by not creating that space for them. How do you create the environment for your team to go off and achieve amazing things? So, Another part of it for leaders is also this this thing around learning to be okay with not knowing the right answer. You know, by the age of 26, I had a team of engineers working for me. I came in as a materials engineer and I had a team of aerospace engineers working for me. I'm sorry, someone who's age 50, who's an aerospace engineer, probably doesn't know everything about an engine. I certainly (laughs) didn't age 26. (laughs) And yet... You know, the team was great. I quite often went into meetings where I I didn't know the answer. Mm. But I knew that someone did. And by asking some questions, you can find that person who knows the answer or you can have a creative discussion and together find the right answer, even better. But trying to be okay with trying to leave, almost leave the ego at the door you're not there to always have the right answer and actually by sometimes saying I, I don't know the answer to this let's you know let's get a bit messy and understand what it means that generates trust within the team because they know you're there to listen and you're learning and they're learning and this, this the process of learning together creates a bond
0: absolutely absolutely and I think um what just once again coming off of what you've said you know when you're in that position of like um problem solving coming up with solutions you know it's it's it puts you in a different perspective and understanding of obviously how to tackle a certain challenge or issue um and I think that what you've just said in regards to leaders and obviously if we um, are leaders listening to us right now that you know, it is, it is fine to not know the answer. And as Sarah's highlighted by, I guess being o- honest and upfront about that, but creating that environment where, you know, you have skilled individuals, as you said from the beginning, they were hired for a reason. Um, you have skilled individuals and you also have that space to, you know, have innovative collaboration um, and come up with new solutions and ideas. That is obviously um, a way for you to obviously create, create a team that is emotionally intelligent, but also you leading that team that is emotionally intelligent as well. Um, and I think what you just said is what you said before about the cost. What does the cost mean? Um, I think that's a very, very important question for all leaders, um, business owners to be considerate about cuz you know there's in the corporate world for example it's very see- it's seen as like a machine you know it's just it keeps running it's its own thing but as we all know people make businesses um, people make culture people people are at the forefront of everything so how with that in mind Sarah what advice would you give to the leaders that are listening right now to i guess this might be a weird question but like how do you assess the level of impact and cost that you and your team has or won't have without that emotional intelligence so this is stemming from the idea so you know when let's say at the beginning of a project you know there's lots of brainstorming there's lots of um, collaboration meetings and so forth and obviously everyone is involved but you know, with certain decisions that are made in the business or a project, not everyone can be involved. Um, so how do you still keep that environment while obviously understanding that, you, you know, you need to put the people at the front while remembering that cost? That's a very loaded question. Apologies. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to work out how to how to answer that. Um, so from from my perspective um there's always going to be kind of time pressure yeah and it's like like you say when you start a project the work you put in up front will save you 10 times that time later on so say it takes you an extra three hours planning now it'll save you 30 hours in in three weeks time to actually go back and try and do that again Mm. so like you say taking the time up front is vital in any project um, that you're planning and giving people time to actually understand what it is. So getting clear as to what, uh, what the project is. And understanding what it is the team needs for the project to succeed. So not just a tactical, but actually, you know, what, what support do they need to, to let that project succeed? And even just asking a couple of really simple questions at the start, but also wherever you are today. You know, you can go off and have these discussions with your team, either individually or as a group to say, you know, what can I do? How can I serve you better? What, how can I unlock, help you unlock this? What is it you need from me to be able to deliver? And then listen. Listen to what comes out and ask a few open questions around. OK, so. You said, for example, a typical one is I need more resources. What would the impact of that be? To try and understand, like you say, the value. So quite often we see things were holding us back, which is actually just a figment of our imagination. It's like a perception that we hold. If we had this, then we this would be, you know, everything would be fine. When in actual fact, you know, that's that's not reality. So it it is like coaching, and this is how I went, made my way from leadership into running my own coaching business it's it's about asking questions it's about wanting to know the answer it's about being curious as to what might unfold not already having in your head what what's the right thing to do but actually being there in the moment when you ask an open question as to what might come out of it and like you say you know sometimes you might You might struggle to put the value around this. And yet, if you don't do it, if you don't create this environment, then you're certainly not going to be creating optimal solutions for the world in 10 years' time, Mm. for the world in 20 years' time. And can any of us really afford not to have that on our radar?
0: Yeah. Absolutely not. And I think, um, as you said, can we can we really afford not to have this on our radar? I think um, obviously with the pandemic and COVID-19, it's really sort of shown the level of, I guess, unpreparedness that we've had across the board. Um, But this period as well has really, really, really highlighted, um, you know, how leaders react um in moments of change in moments of crisis um and obviously the leadership in certain workplaces and organizations obviously is the culture of the people and so forth so i think as you've highlighted like there's you it's it's basically not worth it um to not have this understanding especially when you're coming to you know serving the community, serving um, your clients, your customers and so forth. Um, I, I have so many questions, but I'm just um, also aware of time. So Sarah, I would love to um, ask you firstly, moving back to our, I guess employees and professionals and like those wanting to understand how to raise their emotional um, intelligence. And then the other side is obviously specifically for the leaders, the ones that can influence change and the environment and culture that the team is working in. Um, what would be your, I guess, action points um, for both demographics? Um, Obviously, after listening to this podcast and understanding how important emotional IQ is within the workplace, what would be your, I guess, final points or like, things to do um after this because as we've discussed there's a there's a lot of things that you can do there's all these quizzes and so forth but obviously now that we are still working from home um and not necessarily having that physical meetings and so forth yeah what would be your go-to points action points um and final comments for both the professionals slash employees and then the leaders as well
1: So for both groups, the most important point is this learning to listen. So learning to listen to yourself, but also learning to listen to others and listening without intent, listening without judgment, listening without trying to make somebody else right or wrong. Um, That's really important, but also applying it to you. You know, what are the situations that are coming up which actually feel uncomfortable to me and then trying to somehow name them now it can be personal stuff like I went through that you know when I was going through the miscarriages and other things actually how can I get a little more okay with sharing stuff with some of the stuff that I'm vulnerable about Mm. you know the biggest shock to me was coming back into work after adopting our first child and all of a sudden I've got lots of people putting meetings in my diary because they want to have a chat they're having something similar they've got issues going on you know the power of it if you can allow yourself to be a little bit vulnerable i'm not talking sharing your whole life story if it's uncomfortable but you know allowing yourself to open up a little bit then you see the power that it has on other people in helping them open up in helping them share their story feeling more confident feeling the courage to be able to do it and um, but that needs to be within a, a layer of trust so for the individuals, learn to listen to yourself. Learn to understand and say clearly what it is that you want. What do I want? What do I need? What do I feel? And then... And then being able to put that into the group. So for the leaders. so State clearly non-judgmentally what you feel what you see and don't be attached to whether that's right or not you know the fact you're sensing something there's something there whether you put the right words around it or not is irrelevant it's about naming it so that other people can sense oh i didn't recognize that because those of us with high emotional intelligence we feel it we see it potentially and others don't you're giving people more information it's a gift and a gift to be shared with other people. And then for the leaders, really getting into what environment am I creating for my team? What what is it that I am showing my team in terms of my behaviors? How am I listening? How am I creating the space for them to go off and do their jobs? And this whole thing of not knowing the right answer or being okay with not knowing the right answer, being okay with asking open questions. You don't have to stand up and say, I I don't have a clue. I don't know the answer to this. And there's a way to say, okay, so what does everyone else in the room think? What's going on here right now? Has anyone got any good ideas? So keeping it open and not judgmental and just at the same time, raising that level of awareness as to, There is more to any of us than just our heads. Our thinking brain is great, (laughs) and it also has its limitations. We're not built as just a head without a body for a reason. Our body provides us with input, and we can start listening.
0: Oh, my God, that was just such a perfect summary. Um, I was, like, scrambling so many notes, but um, I really really appreciate when you said that emotional intelligence is a gift. Um, And, you know, that really comes from everything that you've highlighted, Mm -hmm. you know, from understanding your life story, your strengths, and obviously being able to share that, whether it means, you know, being completely vulnerable and sharing everything or just sharing one aspect that obviously assists you in that conversation or discussion. And I think it's definitely... Something that I'm leaving with um, an understanding, and hopefully our listeners too, that you know there is, you know, it might it's portrayed or seen as weak, you know, to share your feelings and be vulnerable. But as as we've discussed, and obviously seen within the pandemic as well, I'm sure most of us, you know, there is huge power um, from being honest and vulnerable because you know that example that you shared um, when you came back from. Um, adopting your first child, you've got all these messages and you're like, I didn't even know other people were thinking or going through this. So I think there's definitely a huge power from obviously putting that out there, but also enables you to connect with your colleagues or your team even further. Um, yeah, there's, there's so many golden nuggets that have been shared. Um, so I guess just um, thank you so much, Sarah, for joining us. Um, and I would just love to ask you, if you can share with our listeners, you know, if they want to find out more or follow up with you, um, what would be the best approach?
1: Yes, I mean, you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, I I think my profile is linked to the uh, speakers page and um, that's got my LinkedIn profile. So please feel free to send me a quick message or book a short slot in my diary to, um, to have a chat and connect.
0: Amazing, and we'll definitely um, link your link your LinkedIn profile just below in the description. So for those listeners, just obviously as Sarah said, just click on a LinkedIn and you can drop her a message. Um, but that Sarah, thank you so much for sharing firstly your personal journey and also your experiences and understanding of raising emotional intelligence in the workplace. And yeah, you've shared a lot of golden, golden nuggets today. So thank you for joining us. It's been my pleasure.